Hey everyone, Chad here. I wanted to put together this short and special episode on New Year's resolutions and how I'm thinking about them this year. I'm actually in the middle of building another podcast on a very inspiring person, and I am really excited to publish that, so stay tuned. But I wanted to get this out there because I frankly am not really sure how people think about New Year's resolutions, or maybe even more importantly, go about executing on the resolutions. And this year, I'm thinking of them a little bit differently. So I wanted to put something out there and then get feedback from all of you. Last year, I had several lofty type resolutions, but my main focus was fitness. Uh, just a couple examples of the lofty type resolutions. I um, I wanted to get my blog and my writing a little bit more focused and, and more than anything, just spend more time on it as a mechanism for me to continue working on my writing, which I was able to do that a little bit, so that was good. And I wanted to get this podcast off the ground so that I could figure out the mechanics of what goes into building a story from soup to nuts, meaning from content to the tools, to the marketing and building an audience, etc. And this has been a super awesome journey. So thanks to all of you who have really been along this ride with me. It's been it's been a pretty amazing learning experience and just uh, some of the conversations I've had with a lot of you, um, I feel like it's it's brought me closer to you and it's, it's really been value add all around. So appreciate you guys being a part of this journey with me. And just to be brutally honest, the most difficult part for me with regards to the podcast has been finding my voice and my story and my my go-to-market value proposition. And honestly, it took some time with both the writing and the podcasting, but I, I really feel like I found an area that it's not being overexploited and the approach that I'm taking is not only a little different, it's actually massively beneficial to myself in my own learning process. By me working to pull key, key insights out of the content, I'm doing a couple of things. One, I'm getting much deeper into the content itself. When I read books now, I feel like it's very purpose-driven, meaning I know what I'm looking for and what I can use to build a story around. And I'm going really deep into the, the content, the material, versus just going over it at, at a surface level. I feel like I now have a reason to also go back and visit all of my notes and markups that I have in in many great books, and it's forcing me to go back into those books, and every time I do, I get something new out of it. So I'm really, really enjoying that. I, I, I used to feel like all of those notes were just useless. Like I'd get done with a book, and I'd have a book full of like underlines and stars and notes, and I'd put it on the shelf, and I'd think to myself, like, how am I ever gonna go back and use those notes as action into my life? Right As you're reading, it's hard to just stop and say, okay, this is a good insight. I'm going to go take action on this because you want to just continue reading the book. So you kind of note it and then you try to come back to it later. But I've always really struggled with that until I started doing this podcast. Now I go back into it with a very specific purpose. I pull that content out and I put a story around it so that I can take action on it in my own life. But more importantly for you guys to share in that same insight and that same learning experience that I'm kind of going through. That's the whole point of this podcast. I just put it out there for everyone to kind of use and benefit from. And this has just been a huge part of my own growth. I, I report to a CIO uh, in our company and I always tell him how much I enjoy doing this because of how much it's making me work on the skills that are very transferable, like research and writing and then storytelling, figuring out how to articulate a story in a compelling way, which is huge for what I do. 
it's like the common dilemma with any analysis, right? Especially around a complicated topic. You have mounds of data and research and pages upon pages of information, but you need to figure out how to extract out the right story, how to get from 20 pages down to one paragraph that gives the audience everything they need to know. So this is a really good vehicle for me to continue working on developing those skills. And just to give a quick shout out here to my man, Pat Hanavan, he is an entrepreneur with a heavy focus on marketing, and he's a big force behind my blogs and my podcast. Um, He's really consulted with me and helped me to think about my own personal branding and the direction that I want to be moving in, and I'm a huge believer in seeking help, finding mentors, et cetera. Pat has been huge, a huge help to me in this area. So if you have a business and are looking for help on branding or your go-to-market strategy or your marketing, et cetera, I would look Pat up or you know reach out to me and I'll get you guys connected. Just to touch on a couple of other goals I had last year, um, in December of last year, basically a year ago, we had just purchased a vacation home in Panama City Beach, and we spent two weeks down there before the new year really renovating it to be a home that we would love. And throughout the year, we got to a point where we decided to put on the market as a rental property. And I've dabbled into real estate in the past. My best friend, my dad and I, we flipped two foreclosed homes right after the, the, the housing crisis in 2008 and 2009. People said we were crazy, but we thought there was a lot of opportunity there, and I think we were right. And I currently have two townhomes that I rent out, but those are very different because they have, they're, they're different than this vacation property being rented out because they have, I have long-term rentals in there. So yearly renter, renters, right? And I do everything myself. This, the vacation property, I would need to depend on a management company because I'm not there. I can't deal with all of these renters and the marketing and all that. And I was really interested to test out this model to see how much of it was really hands-off for me, as well as to see what the cash flow looked like. On the, on the yearly townhome rentals, it's pretty straightforward. I know what my cost outlay is, and I know what I get monthly in rent. On a rental property that is short-term, meaning anywhere from three nights to monthly rentals, it's much more difficult to manage the monthly cash flow, as well as to accurately project yearly cash flow how much do you make versus lose, et cetera. And this has been an amazing experience for a couple of reasons. One, we left last December, but we came back in May for 10 days, and then we came back again in August for 10 days. So counting December, I spent over 30 days at the beach last year, which is pretty awesome. And my sister and my mom and a couple of her friends, they got to go as well. My other sister was down there when I was down there, and her and her husband went a different time. So the whole family really got to use it, which is pretty awesome. And I remember when I first had this idea of buying a property and this lofty thought of being down there and working remotely. And then next thing I know, I'm spending months going through all the details and trying to figure out how to make this thing happen. And sure enough, last December, um, signing papers and we're at a beach home in in Panama City Beach. So it's, it's pretty crazy how that all came to fruition, but that was one of the, one of the goals. The other reason this has been great the, the vacation property is purely from the learning experience, from learning the right questions to ask, to filtering for the right people to work with, to understanding the right reasons on making a decision that big, etc. And these are all transferable things that go way beyond real estate. One goal that I have really been contemplating and working to analyze is the shift from these yearly rentals that I manage to multiple vacation rentals 
that I don't need to have much involvement in. So the, the question is, can I offload a townhome or both townhomes and then buy properties in other Florida locations like Fort Lauderdale or St. Pete or Tampa, maybe even somewhere like Austin, Texas or the Carolinas, who knows? Well, I, I will say that my yearly on my yearly properties, my the townhomes, they do much better on a cash flow from a cash flow perspective. I don't I don't want to get too deep into the financials, but just for a quick comparison, I have a 15-year mortgage on one of my townhomes as well as a 15-year mortgage on the vacation property in Panama City Beach. The yearly cash outlay between the two is roughly a positive three thousand on the townhome, the yearly renter meaning it makes about $3,000 a year, which is great because the depreciation of the house offsets that, so it doesn't even really count as property or profit, while the vacation property loses around $10,000 a year. (laughs) Now, it was the first year on the market, and hopefully that number grows a little, but here's the thing. People always ask me if the headache is worth it in real estate, and I'll caution what I'm about to say as with the caveat that situations vary greatly, and there are a lot of things to think about. If you wanna get into real estate investing, I can give you a lot of things to think about, so feel free feel free to reach out. You can send me an email, chadshipley at gmail.com. But my common answer is yes, the headache is worth it because of how the model works. And I don't wanna go too deep into this, but I'll just use my townhome that makes 3,000 a year as a a quick example, and I'll use simple made up numbers to help kind of illustrate my point. First, I'll point out that I have a 15 year mortgage on this versus a 30 year mortgage. Some investors would say that you should not get into real estate until you can afford it without a loan at all. Um, I have varying points on that, and that's one of the things that you know we would have to talk about if you were getting into real estate investing. I'll give you some things to think about. And a 15-year versus a 30-year is a whole nother topic. I actually wrote a blog about this. If you are thinking of home buying, this is critical to fundamentally understand. You could be talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars just in fees between a 15-year mortgage and a 30-year mortgage. And oftentimes, the 15-year gives you such a good interest rate compared to the 30 that you're paying a little bit more a month on the 15 year, but what you're saving in interest or fees is over the long run is huge, like huge. So if you can barely afford a house on a 30 year mortgage, I would say you probably can't afford the house, but um, we'd have to talk through that. So again, feel free to reach out. I'll give you some things to think about there. Okay, so let's say my townhome all in cost is $1,000 a month or $12,000 per year. So it costs me $12,000 a year, but it makes $1,300 per month, which is $15,600 per year. So essentially it makes $3,600 per year just from a cash flow perspective if I had a renter in there full year and everything went according to plan. I think of this as profit needed for reinvestment. So I'll put this money back into the property you know, windows, flooring, whatever it would be. Now you might say, well, then you made no money at all if you took that money and put it back in the property. Well, this is where the model comes in um, that I was talking about. The mortgage is 12,000 per year. And let's just say that over the over the year, 4,000 of that went towards the principal on the loan, the full loan that I took out on the property. And 8,000 went into interest or fees. And this is where the 15 year versus the 30 year makes a huge difference. So essentially, 
I paid $4,000 this year in equity to maintain the property. Over 15 years, I will have over $150,000 asset that I, you know, pending on market conditions, that I have, I will have paid roughly twenty to thirty thousand dollars for what I plan on having put into the property to buy it, then to resell it, and you know whatever the cost would be. I'm just that's kind of like a high estimate for me. So I will have made one hundred thirty thousand dollars on the property. So the model of having someone else pay off all the equity, as well as all of the interest, as well as enough to cover the money that goes back into it, yes, it is well worth it for me to show up every now and again and put in a garbage disposal or fix a light or whatever it would be. Okay, bringing it back. Another thing I wanted to learn last year was the market and to begin to learn how to day trade. I'm not even going to get into this right now, but I will say that I spent time on this. I learned a ton (laughs) and I'm not doing great. This is a brutal, brutal game. You really have to understand what you are doing and what you are up against. I'm reading an amazing book called Team of Teams, which I will go into in other podcasts, but I wanted to read a story from from this book because it's very interesting and it touches on this point of the the stock market and its um, sometimes unpredictability. When hackers infiltrated the Associated Press's Twitter account in 2013 and sent out a message claiming the White House had been hit by two explosions and President Obama was injured, the Dow Jones fell 143 points in a brief but widespread market panic. The tweet was deleted as soon as it appeared, but its momentary presence was enough to trigger both impulsive human behavior and the high-frequency trading algorithms now used throughout the markets, which read the news and perform trades in response in mere nanoseconds. One trader saw the Associated Press induced flash crash as, quote, a comment on how vulnerable the markets are to random pieces of information, end quote. A more lighthearted example, when musician Dave Carroll's guitar was broken by United Airlines baggage handlers, he spent nine months navigating the company's telephone directory maze of customer service representatives to no avail. So he wrote a song called United Breaks Guitars and posted the video on YouTube. Within one day, the video had racked up 150,000 hits, and Carol received a phone call from an abashed director of customer solutions at United, abashed meaning embarrassed. Within three days, the video had more than a million hits, and United's stock price fell 10%, costing shareholders $180 million in value, 600,000 times the value of the guitar. The point being that if they had just replaced the guitar right away, none of this would have happened. Within a week, the song peaked as the number one download on iTunes, and the company made a public show of donating $3,000, the cost of the new guitar, to the Thelonious Monk Institute of Jazz at Carol's request. The makers of his broken instrument, Taylor Guitars, sent him two for free after watching his video. So hopefully that kind of gave you a quick illustration into how crazy and unpredictable the stock market can be. It's like one huge investor tweets out something about his strategy for the day and it has massive impact on the stock. Anyway, it's it's pretty volatile. I've learned a lot and I could I could definitely spend some time going into that with anyone that would care to do so, so feel free to reach out. I'll give you a quick summary of all that I've learned on day trading or swing trading 
and investing in general and even to try to point you to some really awesome resources. If you are looking to just invest, I would highly, highly, highly recommend the book Money Master the Game by Tony Robbins. That book was an absolute game changer for me. I literally could not grasp financial investing until I read that book. So that is a great place to start. Okay, finally, my big goal last year was fitness. And it was my big goal because I really found my why. It went from my what to understanding my why. I want to lose weight. I want to get stronger. I want to feel better. I want to have more energy. I want to be happier. Why? Because I want to be better for myself. Fitness is the foundation for everything. I personally believe it all starts with fitness and that there is a deep connection between the physical and the cognitive. And because I want to be better for my daughter so I can keep up with her and do any and everything she wants to do for the rest of her life. And for any of you who have followed me long enough, know about my road to Sparta, which are very, very short blogs about my journey that actually started around this exact time frame last year as a resolution for 2018. It's funny because I was just organizing all of my pictures yesterday and I, I found all of these pictures from like February, March of me laying on the ground covered in sweat. It was actually pretty inspiring to see that. I'm glad I took pictures of, of that and it, it brought me back to all of that hard work that I really put in doing these insanity programs, yada, yada, yada. So that was really, really cool. And if you want to talk about measuring achievement, this is it. I can do things now that I couldn't have even dreamed of last year, period. Like I'm in the best shape of my life. I've had some setbacks last year that will become goals for this year as I continue down the physical journey. But all in all, like this is, it's been a a really rewarding payoff, um, all of the hard work that was put in. But All of that aside, I'm thinking of resolutions a little differently this year, and this is what I really want to share. A couple of months back, a great friend and sort of a mentor of mine sent me a quote that I absolutely love. It said, be the person you needed when you were younger. And I love how simple yet profound this quote is. And it's really how I've been shaping my life and how I want to continue thinking about what I work on moving forward. Now, I need to note that I have an amazing mother and I have an amazing father and I was even blessed to have an amazing stepfather and two wonderful sisters that are both older than me that I look up to. They've all been a huge impact on on me and my life for the good, especially on the foundation or the character side, which I'll come back to in a little bit. So as I kind of go through this, my, this list, I don't want it to come off as me not having these things growing up. And keep in mind my why as I go through each of these, to be a better me and to be a better for my daughter. That's why these things are so important to me now. So what did I need when I was young? What am I trying to, to be now that I needed when I was young? The first for me is drinking, social drinking. I needed someone when I was younger, like probably around that 20 to 25-year-old time frame that I looked up to that had no use for drinking or being in a social drinking scene. Someone different than a parent. <laughs> I worked with a lot of the exact opposite. Everyone, everyone drank. Even my consulting days, like the very highly proficient top performers, like I felt like everyone always drank. Some way more than others, but everyone still did it. I wish I would have met someone that had a completely different outlook. Someone that was very recreational and enjoyed doing a host of other things like sports or traveling or working on something that they were passionate about. So I'm now working to become that person, someone who has a life of recreation outside of social drinking. I've rationalized the benefits in the past of of drinking and social drinking, but I think I'm concluding 
that it is just a massive, massive waste of time. To be honest, last year I talked about my physical fitness journey. I only drank a handful of times, you know, a lot less than any other year. And still those times were like just massive setbacks. They throw off my schedule. They, they, they get me into conversations. I don't want to be a part of, I, I end up saying things I wouldn't have said. I embarrass myself in ways that I wouldn't have. Otherwise it's just, it's just all crap. I will say that there was a guy who he actually brought me into Pricewaterhouse Coopers. He had a huge impact on me. We were all out after work once and as always, the food and the drinks, they were all paid for. We actually were celebrating versus it just being a normal dinner. So people were out kind of like looking to have some drinks. And I took notice that he was he was very social with everyone, as always. Like he had a great personality, really outgoing, loved talking to people, which by the way does not mean he's extroverted. I, I'm I'm like that too. I'm very social when I'm out and I talk to everyone, but I'm a very introverted person. Being around people actually exhausts me mentally. Um anyway. He wasn't drinking at all. And because I looked up to him so much, that simple act has stuck with me to this day. Had I been around him more, I think it would have even had a larger impact on me. Like I I was just out for my sister's 40th birthday and my mom's 70th birthday. They were celebrating together. It was a surprise party and it, it was at a bar and I wasn't drinking. My nephew, who's 20, he was there for a little bit. So I was hoping that he took notice that I wasn't drinking. And, and then I ran into a guy that told me he's he's really trying to stay away from me. He had some life things happen to him that were that were really really bad and I don't know his whole story with drinking but he just kind of said I you know I don't I can't be drinking. It's really bad impact on me whatever. And I was so glad that I was able to tell him like yeah, I'm I'm not drinking either and I went on to tell him like I have training coming up. I'm doing these Spartan races. He was like, well, what's a Spartan race? And I was talking to him about it. And, you know, we, we were able to like just have a, a meaningful conversation around stuff outside of drinking. And I, I would have just felt like an ass if I was sitting there with like a beer in my hand trying to talk to this guy about, you know, his desire to, to not drink with me sitting there drinking. So I want Ella, my daughter, to know that there's a great life beyond the walls of social drinking. So I want to find it and I want to show it to her. So that's kind of like my journey right now. And just a side note here, I personally think this is something that a lot of people struggle with. And if I can make any suggestion right now on things that I've learned, it would be to rethink your hobbies. If you love going to concerts but always drink at concerts, I can almost guarantee you that you will not enjoy going to concerts if you're not drinking. I would just avoid concerts. Find something else that you enjoy doing and that you enjoy doing without alcohol and do that more. Don't try to go back to the same things and remove alcohol and think that it's going to be the same experience. It's not. Same thing with me going to sporting events like football games. If I'm not tailgating and then drinking inside the stadium, I'm probably not having that great of a time. But there are other things that I really enjoy doing that don't require alcohol at all like going to watch live musicals with my daughter is freaking awesome. So obviously I won't be drinking martinis while watching the Newsies dance on stage. Anyway, next, fitness. I wish I would have had someone in my life that really showed me the value of fitness and health and that was into HIIT training and running and Spartan races, etc. I want Ella to fall in love, Ella, my daughter, I want her to fall in love with training. I actually had a friend come up to me recently and talk about a workout video that Ella and I did together and he gave me an awesome compliment by telling me how cool he thought it was that she was growing up in this kind of world and how impactful that was going to be on her. 
And I don't think I really even thought about it much until he said that, but I've been thinking a lot about it ever since, like that she's growing up and this is the the world that she's kind of living in. These are the things that she's seeing and she's finding it important to, to work out at four and a half years old. That actually is really, really cool. Next is someone who has a deep desire to consume input, someone that seeks rather than knows everything, someone that asks good questions, the right questions. I hate being around people who know everything or have an answer for everything. And the funny thing here is, as I grow in my career, the people I see as being the most effective at the top, they are not bullish on their viewpoints. More than anything, they know the right questions to ask and they they seek a deep understanding. Being around someone like that can have a massive impact on you in a very positive way. Asking the right questions and having a curiosity is really the key to everything. Once you think you know, you're dead. So for my daughter, I want to create a good decision-making process and show her the way to be thinking about things. So for me, what I'm really trying to do is be extremely open-minded about everything and to just ask fundamentally the right questions and not be a person that that knows the answer to anything for that matter. Um, I just, I want to, I want to be known more as someone that thinks about things critically versus someone that just thinks they know everything. And believe me, I spent a lot of time being the person that thinks they know everything. And I'm trying to kind of get away from that. The next is a passion to create or build things, to take that wisdom and knowledge from all the input and to create output like an entrepreneur, someone that's dedicated to building their own roads. I wish that I knew someone growing up that didn't work for someone else, that really did everything they could to build their own their own roads and worked relentlessly towards an output that they were passionate about. For my family and for most people, it's just a means to an end, right? You need to work to put food on the table, a house over your head. That's how I am now. I, I have a job and it, it's it's critical for me to have that job so that I can support my family. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it's important to have a passion to build and to create, at least maybe for creative people. And I like to think that I'm a creative person. Like I said about my experience in building this podcast, I learned and I'm learning so much and everything I'm learning is transferable to something else. It's just a stepping stone. I think being around people who work towards a passion and that embrace the creative fire would have been huge for me. So I want that for myself and for my daughter going forward. I'm trying to become that person. I also needed someone that was passionate to help others, like really spends a lot of time working with others that are in need. This is something that we all really need. Everyone deep down inside wants to help others, I I think. But the reality is that most people never do. And they have 1,000 reasons on why they don't. And I always think of the proverb here, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, meaning that intentions are really useless without action. I personally still have a lot of work to do in this area, but I've made a ton of progress. Um, I'm on the board. I think most of you listeners probably know, I've I've mentioned this past, I'm on the board of a not-for-profit organization. And every year I organize an angel tree for the children um, at my work and I get a team together to go wrap the gifts. There's like... um, 100 children and there's supposedly six gifts per child, you know, so it's anywhere between 600 and 1,000 gifts that that we need to wrap and we end up doing usually half of it. And this year I opened up the angel angel tag to my friends on Facebook. I was amazed at the kindness of people. It was unbelievable to see 
people just step up with their time and their money to help these children. And a lot of people said to me, like, I love doing this kind of stuff. I just never really know where to go to do it. So that was kind of really encouraging me to continue getting the the, the word out there about this organization because I think people really do want to help. They just don't know always the right direction. And my daughter came to the gift wrapping event. She's only four, but she still understood what we were doing and why we were doing it. She always says how she wants to give her old toys to other children for them to play with and have, and and that just, that like melts my heart. It makes me unbelievably proud. And as she gets older, I really want to do cool things like that with her, like show up at a police station with some pizza and just say thanks to the officers for protecting us every day or do something for the people in the military so she understands the significance of the sacrifice. And it's not just something that she knows about on the surface and takes for granted or show up at a homeless shelter, or even for me to be a mentor to kids and have her come with me. Who knows? Just just for her to kind of like continue, like really understand the value in giving back to others. And believe me, I'm by no means perfect in this area. It's something that I continuously want to work on, which is why I'm thinking about it as a New Year's resolution. But I think having someone like that in my own life would have been massively impactful on me and would have helped me get there a lot faster. And by the way, All of these things, anything that you decide to do or you want to do for the person that you needed when you were younger, to get there, I would say look for mentors and try to figure out who are the people that can help you really build these things. So even all of these things that I'm I'm doing right now, I sort of have mentors in in each of them. For example, giving back, I think Tim Tebow is amazing at what he does in his mission to give back to kids in need. And I follow him on social media platforms and I I just get inspired by some of the things that he's doing. Um, I did a podcast on an organization called Charity Water that's doing amazing things to get water to people in need across the world. So, you know, there's there's definitely um, people out there that are working towards the same things that you're working towards and there's a lot to learn from them. So I would definitely think about finding mentors or whatever it would be, role models in in these areas that you want to kind of grow in. And finally for me, someone someone that has like a recreation type mindset that does things that are fun or competitive. I just started playing racquetball and I'm now doing these trail runs and these Spartan races. I want Ella to see this side of life, this competitive, fun, and self-improving way of life. And to see it as a different side of the typical competition or the way that we think about competition in sports, people often think of it in terms of winning or losing. I want her to see a different side of this and for her to understand that winning is being as good as you can be, better than you were yesterday or a week ago. I want her to see me going for it and trying. I'm not worried about winning racquetball tournaments or races. I want her to see me putting it all out there and enjoying myself doing it, right? And you know, it's sad to me because I, I see I was at uh, my nephew's basketball game a couple years back, and they lost, but it was such a close game, and they played their hearts out, and they were so disappointed. And I don't know what the coaches said to them afterwards, probably something great and inspiring, but what I really wanted to tell my nephew was, look, there's so much more that you can learn in loss than you'll ever learn in winning. So don't think of this as like a total failure. Like You guys just put your hearts out there and you should be really, really proud of, of what you just did. And I know a lot of people argue against this, that like, 
you know, it's it, not everyone gets a trophy that there's got to be winners. There's got to be losers. I get it. But I, I just think it's I, I think there's you're really missing out if you just kind of turn a blind eye and walk away after after losing instead of reflecting on that and pulling out all of the good things that came with that, which is really you putting it all on the line and going for it. I just did a 10.4 trail run in Ohio back in October. October and I used to go to this lodge when I was a kid. So going back there with my dad to run this race around this beautiful lake, it was pretty amazing. And there's another one at the same location in May. And I plan on taking Ella with me to that one. She'll be in the lodge, but I want her to see me going for it. And when I come into the lodge, I want her to give me a big hug. I want her to have context as to what's going on. She just missed my Spartan race. I ran a couple months back and she was really upset. Like we couldn't take her because it was just so cold and I didn't know how long I was going to be out there. And there was other reasons, you know, that we just couldn't bring her along. But leading up to it, she kept saying that she couldn't wait to watch me. And you have no idea how powerful that is. I've been wanting to see Austin, Texas for some time now. Aubrey Marcus, Tim Ferriss, Ryan Holiday, all these guys are down there. So I've been interested to see what it's like. And I should note that I have learned a great deal from each of these people, but I don't know any of them personally. I didn't want that to sound like they're like my friends. They're not. Um, they have no idea who I am, but they're all, you know, high profile people. And I've been interested to check it out. And there's a Spartan race down there in May. So we're going to go down for that, make kind of like a weekend out of it or a five day trip. And I have visions of seeing my daughter when I cross this vision line or this finish line in in Austin, Texas. And I'm I'm really, really looking forward to that. Okay, so be what you needed when you were younger. That's my New Year's resolution. And those are the things that I want to work on. This is the model of the world that I want my daughter to start with. And I can't control the outcome of her life, nor do I want to necessarily, right? I, I want her to have her own life. I just want to give her a good model to start with. And just consider the opposite for a second. Think of people who have to grow up in an area where violence is rapid or drug and alcohol addiction is the norm or where there's no notion of self-improvement. How hard would it be to start from a, that place and end up loving recreation and fitness and health and helping others, etc. I'm reading another book right now called Seeking Wisdom from Darwin to Munger by Peter Bevelin. And Darwin is, in the title is referencing Charles Darwin and Munger is referencing Charles Munger, the vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway, Berkshire, however you say that, otherwise known as, he's otherwise known as Warren Buffett's firsthand man and a huge part of the billions generated by Berkshire. And I'll read this part quickly for you since it's really relevant to this point. The section title is Neural Connections Are Shaped by Life Experiences. The brain changes continually as a result of our experiences. Experiences produce physical change in the brain either through new neural connections or through the generation of new neurons. Studies suggest that the brain can change even during the course of a day. This means that the anatomy of the brain varies from individual to individual. Even identical twins with identical genes don't have identical brains. They have had different life experiences. Experiences are the reason that all individuals are unique. There are no individuals with exactly the same upbringing, nutrition, education, social stamping, physical, social, and cultural setting. This creates different convictions, habits, values, and character. People behave differently because differences in their environment cause different life experiences. This is why it is sometimes hard to understand other people's behavior. 
To do that, we must adapt to their environment and share their experiences. This is often impossible. Okay, in closing, I wanted to give you a quick guide or checkpoint mechanism that I created on character. I started writing a performance playbook a while back, and I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to do with it yet. It's not. It's still on draft, but it was three parts, and these are subject to potentially change. But the way that I was thinking of it structurally was part one, building your foundation, part two, establishing your presence, and part three, executing with excellence. And it really is supposed to be a playbook or a framework almost that you can apply to your life to help you move from point A to B, whatever that would be. And part one is really all about building a strong foundation to stand on, a strong core made up of high character, like the bedrock of a house. Show me a person that makes tons of money but does not have this stuff in order, and I'll show you someone destined for un, uh, living an unfulfilled life. I think these things are the critical first step to any and all success. And the reason I want to share them here is because I think it's a good self-check before developing goals that you want to work on, which most people are probably doing right now as we start 2019, but really you can use this at, at any point in time. So I'll, re- I'll read through each of these examples and just to yourself say yes or no. Yes, you are awesome at this and are, are doing great or no, you need to do some work. I could model this out a little differently, like if we were working in person or you were doing it like filling out a piece of paper, but I think for listening purposes, it'll it'll be easier to just say yes or no. This is truly a gut check, so be honest with yourself. And for any area that you say no, it might be worthwhile to create some goals around that particular thing if you feel it's that important. Since what I say is not the end all, you are the best decision maker for you. So it's ultimately up to you. This is the stuff that was really reinforced by my family growing up. And believe me, I developed this model for me (laughs) and for me to constantly be thinking about and improving on. So I don't want this to come across as condescending or me thinking that I'm great at all of these things. I absolutely am not. But I think of these things as being the fundamental bedrock of our foundation and our character, and we need to get this right before we can move on to becoming great at anything else. Okay, here we go. You are very trusting to others. You would never betray another person nor gossip behind someone's back. You never lie, cheat, steal, or have ill intentions. Next, you express great humility. You constantly put others before yourself and you never let your ego compromise who you are as a person. Next, you are extremely gracious. You take nothing for granted, and you recognize even the smallest things done by others on your behalf. Next, you work for what you have. You do not believe you are entitled to anything in this world, and you work hard at everything you do. Next, you are extremely dependable. You are the first person that your friends and family will call because they will they know that you will do anything for them. Next, you are open-minded. You have strong convictions on certain ideas or notions, but you are always open-minded to hear the viewpoints of others or opposing arguments. If possible, you would take the opportunity to learn from others' perspectives or experiences. Next, you are morally courageous. 
you are willing to face difficulty, danger, and opposition for doing the right thing. Next, you practice great prudence. You are constantly self-governing and apply wisdom, logic, and knowledge to the decisions that you make and the actions that you take. Next, you have great temperance. You constantly restrain yourself from overindulgence or improper acts. I'm sure everyone after the holidays (laughs) and the food and drinks that you had probably does not feel like you have great temperance. Okay, next, you seek justice. You are someone who treats others fairly or how they would want or how you would want to be treated. Next, you exemplify persistence. When the tough gets going, you continue pushing through. You love yourself endlessly, not ego type love, deep love, and you're kind to yourself and forgiving. Next, you are vulnerable and transparent. You are someone who is open about who you are. You are aware of the imperfections of your imperfections and you embrace them fully. You have accepted yourself and the shortcomings that you have been dealt. Finally, you follow through. When you set a goal or say that you are going to do something, you do it. And this is a nice one to end on because you can think about it in the context of last year's resolutions, how well did you follow through, and this year's resolutions, how well do you plan on following through. It's, it really all comes down to just the why, finding your why, and executing. So I'll end it there. Before you go, if you are wanting to get into fitness or get back into fitness, reach out to me. We have a virtual fitness group that is really awesome. We'd love to have you. It's completely free, of course, and it's really, really cool. If you have any questions or if you think that I can help you on any of your goals, feel free to reach out, especially if it's in areas that I just touched on, investing and um, real estate and whatever else, fitness. would love to help in any way possible or at least try to point you in the right direction of resources that I found to be beneficial. And finally, if you like the show, please share it with someone that you think may like it. My goal is not to have lots of listeners, but to provide value to the people who do enjoy it and that get value from it. So having you share it is the best way to do that. And please rate it good if you like it. If you don't like it, please don't rate it at all. (laughs) Just send me an email so I can work on improving it. That will be much more effective than getting a bad rating. If you can actually tell me what you didn't like, I can then really think about that and try to improve it moving forward. That's the goal is to continue making this thing better and better and better for all of you. Okay. Um, email me chadshipley at gmail.com. You can check out the website, www.chadshipley.com. Um, that's where you can check out all the blogs. And I have a uh, page for podcasts. You can easily get to the podcast there. If you're looking for motivation to get back into shape, you can go to the website and there's a category filter on the right. Just select Sparta from that category as the category you want to see. You'll see six different posts that are a series called My Road to Sparta. Then scroll to the bottom for the first one, which is entitled Enough Was Enough. This was written about my disgust with my dad bod, (laughs) which is pretty funny. At least I think it is. Once you start on one, it has easy links to the next and to the previous, and they are very, very, very short and easy to read. I did that on purpose so that I could reference them in the future without dreading the unneeded verbiage. You could read all six posts in less than five minutes, and I think they'll give you some motivation. They they actually do for me, even when I go back and reread them. Maybe it's because it's my own personal journey and they won't work for you. I'm not sure, but uh, give them a shot and let me know what you think. And that's it. Happy 2019, all of you. Get at it. Bye.